Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel. The NBA is back and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. This is my favorite sports betting app that is out there. It is safe and easy to use, easy to get your money in and out. I love that cash out feature. So if you're in good shape with one of your bets and you don't want to risk garbage time, you can get your money out quickly. Use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this NBA season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Saturday, everybody. I hope your guys' weekends are off to a good start. I'm supposed to have today off, but my wife is working one of her bigger events of the year, and I've got nothing but my brother's baby shower later today, so I was like, you know what? There's some good basketball games on last night. 
drinking my coffee, watching them, and I had some thoughts. So figured might as well get a reaction video in. We're just going to hit on Cavs Warriors and on Lakers Kings. I know I said that I would also touch on Celtics Nuggets um, and that uh, Timberwolves Grizzlies game, but I'll get to those on Monday. Um, uh, you guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss show announcements. I also do video breakdowns there. I plan on doing one later today if I have some time that uh, covers the pick and roll issues that the Lakers were having with the Kings. Um, <clears throat> and then last but not least, if you miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish them, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. So Cavs Warriors, super entertaining game. Very playoff feel, not just with the intensity and how hard the teams were playing in the defense, but also because of all of the matchup attacking. That's always what reminds me the most of the playoffs because it's really it's really this simple. When you get into a playoff series, everything is scouted. Everybody knows each other's strengths and weaknesses. So you're not just going to go down and run your sets and get great stuff every single time. So it becomes kind of more of a personnel matchup. You're looking at what personnel do we have that can punish specific personnel on their team and vice versa. And you saw a lot of like ta attacking Darius Garland in the post with guys like Andrew Wiggins. That's a legitimate playoff chess match type of, of uh, move that you would see. You saw Steph attacking the Cleveland bigs, both on switches and when they were too low in drop coverage. Some of you Celtics fans who watched that game probably had some PTSD watching that. <clears throat> Uh, Donovan Mitchell and Karis LeVert attacking Jordan Poole every time they had a chance because he's one of the weakest perimeter defensive players on the Warriors. Um, Steph got a lot of attacks in on Darius Garland late in the game because as crazy as it sounds, he's a lot bigger than Darius Garland and Garland's not a great defensive player, but a real chess match type of feel and that type of chess match is going to go the way of the Warriors. As I've always said, I don't trust any team in the league in terms of of management, coaching, players, experience, continuity, talent, all those things, the way I trust the Warriors. And a big part of that, that coaching part, that experience and continuity part, that manifests in these chess matches. And it was interesting because, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So, like, Donovan Mitchell versus Steph Curry. So, Donovan Mitchell was amazing in this game. He had uh, 29 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. He made a ton of big shots, big plays as a passer. His development as a, as a passer this year is a whole other conversation. Like, the leap he's taken with shot making and with passing has taken him from somewhere in the, you know, 20 range of player in the league to firmly in the top 10, maybe even top five this season. That's how much of an improvement he's made there. Uh, but late in the game, when we got you know into the, the last handful of possessions, he got thoroughly out-executed by Steph Curry. He uh, missed a couple of pull-up jumpers short, which will happen. That's, that's going to happen when you're tired, and he was probably tired. Um, but at 98-98, he missed a pull-up jumper on Steph at the top of the key, like a step back. And Steph contested the shot and ran out the other way. And Donovan Mitchell kind of like at, on his follow through just kind of sat there and looked at the rim for like three or four seconds and made no effort to get back. And like transition defense is all about floor balance. Uh, generally speaking, most coaches will tell you like if you're, you know, in the corner, you can crash before you get back. If you're in the dunker spot, you can crash before you get back. But if you're at the top of the key or if you're on the wings, the general idea is to get back because you're unlikely to get the rebound and in all likelihood, you're the only guy that has a chance to stop in transition. Donovan Mitchell took that jumper from the top of the key. He's His primary responsibility is in that position after the shot goes up is to get back in transition defense. He didn't. 
Uh, Darius Garland ran back from the wing, but he was late. They threw it out ahead to Steph, and Steph got a layup that effectively amounted to the final lead. It was the last lead change of the game. That's a critical defensive mistake from Donovan Mitchell down the stretch of the game. Um, and then on the dagger three, the one that Steph hit, like, yeah, it was an illegal screen. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the worst illegal screens I've ever seen. Clay Thompson literally just threw a block. Uh, but there are probably roughly 30 to 40 illegal screens per NBA game that go uncalled. And you'll see another half dozen or so get called, right? Uh, you can't bank on that getting called. And even if it was an illegal screen, the way that that action is defended is the same regardless of whether it's illegal or not, because there's always that chance that Isaac Okoro is going to get caught on the screen, even if Clay sets a legal screen. Now, that specific action, you've got Steph with the ball at the top of the, uh, on the left wing. He's trying to come downhill towards the right, and they're coming up with Clay. And they usually do one of two things there. Most of the time, they run what's called a ghost screen, which is really just a fancy way of saying that he just slips the screen. So he runs up like he's going to set a screen, but before he sets the screen, he'll just vacate out off to the left wing, and it, it throws the defenders in a loop usually. But in that specific case, no matter what, there's only two ways to guard it. <clears throat> You're either going to switch it outright, because it's a guard-to-guard screen with two shooters. So Okoro would basically signal to Donovan Mitchell, like, hey, you're taking Steph, I'm going to take Clay as he comes off of this. Or you're going to do a brief hedge before you recover. So Donovan Mitchell, as he's coming up behind Clay, would just kind of lunge out and just swipe with his left arm. Just a swipe. Just something to dissuade Steph from that easy pull-up three before he vacates out to get Clay. And instead, he just did nothing. He just kind of jogged behind Clay and stood there while Clay threw the block. And then there was nobody guarding Steph when he knocked down the game winning three. So, like, at the end of the day, <clears throat> that's two players that have both played like top five players this season. Both of them made top five in my player rankings on Thursday. Both of them are playing at the absolute peak of their powers offensively, but we got to a chess match at the end of the game, and Steph made all of the winning plays, and Donovan Mitchell made critical defensive mistakes. And those of you guys who've been watching my show all season know that I've been I've been calling this specifically out with Donovan Mitchell. Had made a bunch of them against the Celtics as well. He's been particularly bad on defense in crunch time this season. That's an issue, and that's something he's got to work out because that could be the difference between him uh, being a first-round exit type of team in, with the Cavs this year or somebody that has legitimate aspirations. Steph made every big play down the stretch of this game. They were down eight with about four minutes left after that wild sequence where they, uh, I think Jordan Poole flagrant fouled uh, Karis LeVert on a step back three. Um, they ended up going up by eight. They Then every possession down the stretch, it was Steph. He hit a three against Jared Allen and drop on the left wing where Jared was way too low. Then he got Allen on a switch on the left wing and beat him off the dribble, which got Draymond Green open. He dropped it off and Dray made a basket. Uh, there was the relocation three on Darius Garland. So, this was uh, uh th- this was kind of an interesting play because he drove into Gar- Darius Garland's chest and Darius did his job. He held his ground, took the contact in the chest, and cut Steph off. But here's the difference: Steph got cut off, gave the basketball up, and then sprinted back out to the three point line. As soon as Darius Garland took that contact contact in the chest, he stood up out of his defensive stance and quit on the play. So so Jared Allen was like, what am I supposed to do? And he ran over and threw a late contest, but it was too late. Steph was wide open on the left wing. That was the three that tied the game at 898. So again, good defense from Darius Garland for half the possession, but didn't finish the possession. And then on the run out layup for 198, we talked about that. That was bad uh, transition defense from Donovan Mitchell. And then on the dagger three, 
Oh, uh, we talked about that action as well. But every single play down the stretch, from when they were down uh, by eight to when they effectively iced the game, one hundred three ninety nine, it was Steph making the play. In the last three games, Steph is averaging forty two points, five rebounds, and seven assists on eighty two percent true shooting, which is just ridiculous. In clutch situations this year, so when the score is within five points with less than five minutes left, he's twelve for twenty two from the field, five for twelve from three and seven assists to just two turnovers. He's a few Warriors wins away from being the MVP frontrunner. Because as good as Giannis has been, his MVP frontrunning status is largely based on how good the Bucks have been in crunch time. He's been, you know, it's he's playing good on defense, but it's not his best defensive season. His perimeter shot has completely fallen apart. He's really only dominating in the paint. He's been good. Giannis has been Giannis. He's Deserves to be called the best player in the league right now. But Steph is actually playing a little bit better basketball than him. The team just isn't winning enough to make it all work. But they've won a couple in a row here. And if he can get the Warriors back into that, you know, top half of the Western Conference standings where they're, you know, in a home court in the first round type of thing, at this at the level he's playing, you're looking at a third MVP there. Um, couple of quick notes on the guards, or on the Cavs. The guards, it's going to be a legitimate issue here because Darius Garland was pretty bad on both ends of the floor tonight pretty bad defensively which we talked about his uh offensively one of the things I've noticed with Darius Garland throughout his career a lot of guys compare Darius Garland to Kyrie Irving because he's really shifty guard right I don't really see that comparison mainly because Darius is a better passer than Kyrie ever was and then on the offense like a scoring perspective the Kyrie's just there's a massive chasm between those two and one of the main reasons why is Darius Garland, like a lot of young players in the league, or young players in general now, shoot really far down below, like almost below his chin is where he starts his shooting pocket. And the problem with that is it makes it extremely difficult to get shots off. Um, There are a handful of guys, like Steph shoots like that, but he's, one, he's the best shooter of all time. Two, he's arguably the best ball handler in the league. And three, he's six foot three and a much better athlete than Darius Garland, so he can get to his spots a lot easier. So, like, he's kind of the exception to the rule. But Kyrie Irving elevates into his shot and has a higher release point, which allows him to actually get off shots against elite defenses. A guy like Darius Garland, I'm concerned about his ability. I am concerned about his ability to get to his spots and knock down shots against the better defenses in the league. And he really, really struggled last night. And then fundamentally, you got to look at, like, can you win with two small guards in your primary lineups that don't defend? And I mean, Donovan Mitchell, he doesn't defend, but at least he can make some plays with his athleticism on the periphery. So he can grab contested rebounds. Like, and he grabbed a huge contested rebound late in this game. I think it was when it was like 98, 95 or something like that. The, uh, uh, he's going to make the occasional defensive play with his athleticism because he's just such a big, strong athlete at the guard position. But you're not getting any of that out of Darius Garland. He's just completely overmatched. This season, when Darius Garland doesn't play, they're 6-0, and and when he does play, they're 2-4. and Now, does that mean you trade Darius Garland? I don't know. I, it's not an easy question. I would certainly give this a lot longer. I'd ride it out till at least the deadline. But there's no point in going down prideful. You made a trade for a really good guard that does everything that Darius Garland does and does it better and is a more functional athlete on your defensive in your defensive scheme, although he's flawed there. So... Yes, I get that you de- drafted Darius. Yes, I get that the fan base is attached to him. I'm sure Cavs fans will recoil when they hear this. But at a certain point, you got to look at this and go, I've got Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, 
you know, I've got uh, Donovan Mitchell. Would I be better served? Uh, Karis LeVert's playing well. Would I be better served with a, a wing out of that sp- uh, specific position? Is there a team out there? Like, could I call Toronto and try to functionally swap Darius Garland for like an OG Ananobi? Would I be better off if I did something like that? Would Toronto appreciate having the offensive firepower with all the size that they have on the perimeter? Like, those are the kinds of questions that uh, Cleveland's going to have to ask themselves as we get closer to the trade deadline. Wouldn't do anything now. Too small of a sample size. You got to ride this out to the deadline. But you got to pay really close attention to how you're losing these games. And a couple of their recent losses have been because of their weak uh, size and physicality and defense in the backcourt. Uh, last note from the Cavs. I was so impressed with Evan Mobley last night. He had 20-13-4. and four. Mainly his physical aggression. He's still pretty thin, but he fights hard for position. He's fearless when he's attacking smaller defensive players. He had two specific post moves in this game that I liked. There was one in the first half where uh, he got Andrew Wiggins on a switch, and he just battled for positions. And Wiggins, Wiggins is a big, strong man now, and you know Mo- Mobley's still basically a kid. And he's jockeying for position against Wiggins and actually fights and gets a decent spot on the floor about 10 feet from the rim. And then just does a really physical, like violent rip through to the baseline and finishes with his left hand on the other side of the rim. That was impressive. And then he got Lamb on a switch in the fourth quarter and made a really good aggressive post move towards the middle of the floor and made like a sweeping hook shot in the lane. That was actually a big play in this game. Um, I like him a lot. I like his physical aggression. I like how quick his feet is compared to so many of these other lanky defensive bigs that have come through the league. Um, he's really, really exciting. And, <laughs> and even how good do you got to feel as the Cavs where like your Darius Garland problem is not that big of a problem because of how good Jared Allen is, how good Evan Mobley is, and how good Donovan Mitchell is. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. 
Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription. And free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops. That's H O O P S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N U T R A F O L.com, promo code Hoops, H O O P S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. All right, let's talk about the Kings and the Lakers. <clears throat> so the Lakers took a 13 point lead late in the second quarter of this game, and then they let Sacramento get it back to four with like two minutes left. Um, uh, they were up 13 with about two minutes left, and by halftime it was back to four. And then the rest of the game was really about as back and forth as you could possibly imagine until the Lakers went cold at the end of the game. Sacramento went on an 8-0 run at the end of this game. So first of all, um, they get a stop, but Anthony Davis gets buried under the rim by Sabonis. And as a result, there's a rebounding foul. I think uh, 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 Patrick Beverly saw him in trouble and came flying over and ended up fouling Sabonis. On the ensuing possession, Harrison Barnes ends up getting a bailout foul at the end of the shot clock, so he makes two free throws. Then they go down the other way, and in pick and roll, Russ just for some reason takes an impossible bank shot, leaning towards his left and misses it. Very next possession, um, I was just talking about that ghost screen action I was telling you guys about. Well, uh, I believe it might have been, it was either, I think it was Terrence Davis. It might have been Davion Mitchell. I can't remember. But Austin Reeves was guarding one of the other Kings guards. Might have even been Malik Monk. But they ran up and set a ghost screen. So, like, ran past uh, De'Aaron Fox and didn't actually set a screen. And in, in the process, Austin Reeves froze for just a second, but then recovered out. And Russell Westbrook just uh, just quit on the play. Didn't didn't switch out to the other uh, to the other Kings guard and also didn't stay in front of De'Aaron Fox, literally just let him drive around. I tweeted out the clip earlier today. It was one of the most bizarre defensive plays I've ever seen. Fox just goes right downhill and scores. Now it's a 4-0 run. Then they double Anthony Davis in the post and at the, on the backside, uh, Patrick Beverly ends up missing a pretty decent look from three at the top of the key. And then De'Aaron Fox hits a really tough turnaround over Austin Reeves. And from there, Lonnie Walker missed a three out of a timeout. That was kind of like, you know, they were already down four at that point. And then Harrison Barnes made two free throws, and then the game was over. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a depressing loss if you're a Lakers fan, right? Because you're kind of hanging around the entire game. You have a late lead at 114-112, and then you blow it, giving up an 8-0 run. I mean, but here's the reality. Like, uh, uh, I, I got to <laughs> – Anthony Davis continues to be one of the most frustrating players that I've ever covered because, like, you look at the box score, and you look at the production, and you look at, like, the defensive highlights for most possessions, and it's so good – but the types of mistakes he makes, particularly in transition defense and particularly uh, in box-out situations, can be so frustrating. He he got bullied against the Clippers in the second half on the offensive glass. And then critical possession. It's 114-112. There's like two minutes left in the game. You have the lead. You get a stop. And you don't box out Sabonis. He buries you under the rim. They get an extra possession, and that triggers their run. Like, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, oh, man, Anthony Davis, like you can't make that mistake as a guy who calls himself one of the top 10 players in the league. You can't make that particular mistake. Like, this season, the bouts of 
bad transition defense and the bouts of bad defensive rebounding from Anthony Davis have been really problematic for this team. And they've lost games because of it. Like that Kings game last night, I'm not going to say that's the reason they lost, but that was a big play when you had a late lead. And then they lost that game up in Denver earlier this season strictly because Anthony Davis wasn't running back in transition. Um, they, the Lakers in particular were really struggling with Sacramento's pick and roll in the fourth quarter. And if I have some time later today, I'm going to make a video about this because I think it's really interesting. So basically, um, uh, so early in the quarter, it was Chimezi Metu and De'Aaron Fox. And they were guarding it with Wenyan Gabriel and Troy Brown Jr. And so you kind of, when you're running a drop coverage, like we always talk about, guard chases over the top of the screen, right? So Darren Fox is coming downhill. Troy Brown Jr. is trailing him, right? Wenyan Gabriel, because uh, Troy Brown Jr. is behind the ball handler, he has to step over and kind of contain the ball handler while they're getting downhill. But <clears throat> there's an important thing that's supposed to happen in that coverage. If the guard gets completely out of position to where the big has to step up, then the guard is supposed to peel off of the guard and run down to the big and box him out of the lane so that he can't get an offensive rebound. And they got killed in that specific matchup because, you know, like Troy Brown Jr. would chase Fox over the top. Wenyon would step up. Fox would miss like a short jump shot, basically being bracketed by Wenyon Gabriel and Troy Brown Jr. And Shemezi Metu would come in unguarded to tip dunk the basketball into the hoop. Then there was another play later in the, uh, like a few possessions later. Now uh, Anthony Davis checks back into the, uh, checks back into the game. Same type of deal. Austin Reeves is chasing De'Aaron Fox over the top of the screen. Anthony Davis steps up. They're bracketing Fox. He misses the shot, but Austin doesn't dig down to the big and there's Demonis Sabonis making a layup right at the front of the rim. So finally at the end of the fourth quarter, they did what you're supposed to do with the peel off switches with Patrick Beverly on Deer and Fox. And they did it twice and Beverly did his job. Peeled over the top, applied some back pressure. As soon as he saw Anthony Davis step up to contain, he ran down and boxed Demonis Sabonis out, but AD couldn't get a damn stop. And two times in a row, he gave uh, De'Aaron Fox way too much space, and he knocked down back-to-back contested, contested jumpers over the top. And so that's what's frustrating is like early in the fourth quarter, you're struggling because the guards aren't doing their job. Then you bring in the guy that I've been calling the defensive player of the year, and he's not doing his job, and he can't get a stop on De'Aaron Fox, who's a mid-level point guard in this league in those isolation situations off of switches. And so, you know, that specific action, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to break it down in a video later today, like I said, if I have some time. Uh, so keep an eye on my Twitter feed. Uh, but yeah, that was that was the specific action that was killing LA down the stretch of this game. A couple of quick notes on Sacramento. They're up to 5-6 and six now. They're 5-2 and two since their 0-4 start. In that span, they're 5th in offense, 20th in defense, 11th in net rating. On the season, De'Aaron Fox is averaging 23-5-6 on 62% true shooting. In crunch time this season, he's 15 for 24. Excuse me, that 23-5-6 on 62% is just in this last uh, seven-game span when they're 5-2. and two. Um, In crunch time this season, De'Aaron Fox, 15 for 24 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, and he's perfect from the line. So he's been incredible in crunch time, although it hasn't necessarily amounted to wins for them in, the, uh, in clutch situations over the season. Kevin Herter is also having a great season, 50% from three on eight attempts. He did another big shot in the fourth quarter last night. And then Sabonis made two huge plays down the stretch on the offensive glass, one in pick and roll and one on that offensive rebound against Anthony Davis that I told you about. Um, This is a fun team. They don't defend, and they're likely not going anywhere, so we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about them this season, but they are fun. A couple of quick notes on the Lakers. I wonder how much longer the upper management 
is going to watch this team spiral out of control. Um, like it's a now or never kind of thing. Now or never was this summer, but now it's definitely now or never. You're two and 10. Like at a certain point, you've got to, if you're going to give them a fighting chance, give them a fighting chance now before they're too far below in the standings. If you're not going to give them a fighting chance, then stop making LeBron play through foot soreness. Stop making Anthony Davis play through lower back soreness. If you have, are, if you do not care about this team and you do not care about what they can accomplish, then pull the freaking plug before somebody gets hurt because you keep talking about next summer and it won't matter if they if one of them suffers a serious injury. So like this weird thing where you're like beating the hell out of LeBron and Anthony Davis to try to win games but not actually giving them the requisite pieces to compete, it's just horrific leadership from the Lakers up top. And and it, I wish they would just pick what the heck they want to do. If you don't believe in these guys and you don't want to give them a fighting chance, then pull the plug before one of them gets hurt. All right, that's all I have for today, guys. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support. Like I said, we'll get to some of the other games from Friday night and the Saturday-Sunday games on Monday. I will see you guys after the weekend. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts carol g juan gabriel christina aguilera what do these three have in common you mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.